We are learning Daf Chaf Dalad, and we're starting from the bottom of Chaf Gimel Amud Beis at the bottom Mishnah. So the previous Mishnah, we spoke about a case where there were two captured women, and they wanted to each testify with the other one. And now we discuss Fachin Shnei Anashim. Similarly, if there was a case of two men, This one says I'm a coin, and the other one says I'm a coin. They are not believed. And in this case, we didn't know that they were Kohenim before. And the idea that the Mishnah is saying is that when somebody Stam comes and says, based upon their own word, that they're Kohen, we cannot believe it. So they don't have any rights of Truma. They can't be given Truma. They can't um, They can't be given an Aliyah first, things like that. Anything which is special for, for, for Kohenim, they are not believed based upon their own word. That's all if they're testifying for themselves. But what about if they testify for one another? What happens if, if they're saying, he and I, both of us, are Kohanim. Each of them are saying. So in that case, they are believed. So we basically were saying that one single witness is it could could be enough to establish that somebody else is a Kohen. In other words, you're not believed for yourself that you're a Kohen, but you are believed that to say that another person is a Kohen. It's a very interesting point that a person could be believed for somebody else, but not for himself. What's the chilek? If we say, you know, as an Eid Achar Yonemon, why can't you say it for yourself? So the Rishonim explained that the idea is that it has many ramifications in the future for things that will be relevant to uh, to money and who your children can marry and so on and so forth. So therefore we say, person is not Nemon for themselves, but to testify about somebody else, the Tana, the opening Tana here in the Mishnah holds that one witness is believed to testify in somebody else that he is a Kohen. So therefore if two people are showing up and each one is testifying that the other one is a Kohen, they would be believed. However, not everybody agrees here. Rabbi Yudah Omer, you can't be Mali, you can't elevate a person literally to become a Kohen based upon one witness. One witness does not suffice. Even if uh, just one person is saying for somebody else, it does not work. We cannot believe it. Amar Abelazar, when is that true, that a single witness does not suffice? It's not Jesh Orin. That's only true if there are people who are challenging. The Gemara will establish, what, it will tell us exactly what Orin are, but there is some challenge to it. If Makam Shein Orin, where there are no challengers, then there's nothing wrong with believing the one witness. You could, in fact, elevate a person based upon one witness. So Abelazar fundamentally agrees with the Tanakama. Um, but he's saying that there's a split in terms of whether or not there are Orin. Says the Gemara, finally, the last opinion. You could elevate a person in Kuna based upon one witness. So this is, seems to be the exact same opinion of the Tanakhama, and the Gemara will get into what exactly the discrepancy is. So bottom line is, is that a person is definitely not an to say on themselves that they are a Kohen. However, to testify about somebody else that they are a Kohen, in Eid we have a dispute. It seems some Tanam accept the testimony of one Eid to say that Somebody else is a coin, whereas other opinions say we do not. And yet, and Rebbe Lazar is saying there's a split whether or not there are challengers. So before we even get to our mission, the Gemara wants to really analyze something that's happened in the parak. There have been four different examples of Pasha Asar, which have all gone, were gone on. We have the Pasha Asar, which we spoke about in the case where somebody admitted that the field belonged to your father, but I bought it off him. We had the case of the of the Adim who admitted this is our handwriting, but we were coerced to sign. We had the married woman who said, I am married, but I am divorced. And we had the woman who said, I am captured, but I was not raped. So we have four different examples of Pasha Asar. So we're trying, we're going to try to understand why we needed four examples. And then eventually we'll get to where did our Mishnah come in to start discussing whether or not a single witness is believed in, in regard for Kahuna. So the Gemara says, Why do I need all these Mishnahis, all these illustrations of Pasha Asar? Says the Gemara, If you only taught the first case, that was the case where a person admitted, Shimon admitted to Reuben at the field with your fathers, but I bought it off of him. I could say, the reason is the Pasha Asar, there's the loss of money. When this guy, when Shimon starts admitting that it used to belong to Reuben's father, he's taking a risk. 
So if he was not certain that he also bought the field, he never would have made the admission. So we know clearly that as soon as he said the first part of the statement, he knew he was going to conclude with the second half, and therefore it's viewed as one big statement, and we can apply Pesha Asar to believe him on the second half that he bought it off of his father as well. That's all because there would be a loss of money if he did not if he did not start off, if, uh, if he did not finish off and say, I bought it, it would be a loss of money by saying that it used to belong to Reuben's father. I will aid them in the case where witnesses are testifying, this is our signatures, but we were first, we were forced. The Lego Jordan, there's no loss of money for them. Aim alone, then we could say that there's no Peshasar. The lumness here is, is that since there's no loss of money, we could say maybe it was an afterthought that they added afterwards that we were coerced. Meaning the first part of their statement that this is our signatures was said first in an isolated way. It was meant just to testify this is our signatures and with no strings attached. There was no plan to continue and go on to say, but by the way, we were coerced. That was a second point. So we can't view it as one big statement. Why does a Gerard de Mamona loss of money otherwise? Clearly, the person meant it as one big statement. But here, where it's no loss of money, we don't know that the, that the witnesses meant it to be one big statement. So therefore, maybe we should split it and say that the first half of their testimony, that this is our signatures, should be believed in its own right, and therefore there's no Pasha Asar. So the Kamash Malan, that no, we do say Pasha Asar even in the case of witnesses. And if you told me in the case of the witnesses, I would say, That's all because it's testifying for somebody else. It's not for themselves. They were applying Pesha Asar. They're not benefiting anything financially. So you could say, maybe maybe we could be Mako over there. But in the first case, where the person, Shimon, was admitting the field was your father's, but I bought it. You're testifying for yourself. You're gaining financially. So if you're gaining financially, maybe we could say from the outset, you didn't have in mind to conclude that you were gonna that you bought it from him. You just threw that in at the end when you realized that if not, you're going to lose money. So therefore, Amalo, I would say from the, from the, that you couldn't say Pasha Asar, Pasha Asar, and that's why we needed the first case. So basically, it seems that the concept of Pasha Asar is that when you say the first part, half of the statement, you had in mind as well to, to conclude with the second half, and that's why we believe the whole thing. So we're nervous, potentially, that in these cases, you didn't have in mind from the outset to conclude, and you only did it as an afterthought. So the question is whether or not we can apply Pesha Asar. And there's two ways of looking at it. In the first case, we could say Gerard de Mamona, so clearly he had a mind to finish off. On the other hand, we could say that there's the opposite, that he's only doing it because if not, he'll have a financial loss. He thought of it afterwards. And we can make the same argument and counter-argument in the case of the witnesses. On the one hand, there's no Gerard de Mamona, but on the other hand, they're testifying for other people. So that's why we needed both cases. Biyashmin and I attacked, if he only taught us those two cases, Mishim de Mamona, at least both of these cases involve money. Avalisha Sishji Sura in the third case where she a woman says I'm married but I was divorced. That's a matter of Isra Isha Sish is very severe. Malo, who said you can believe that she got divorced? Who said you could apply Pesha Asar to be Matar a married woman? And why do I need the last case of the woman who admitted she was captured but that she was not that she was not raped? Says the Gemara, you're right. It's not such a chiddush there in and of itself to say that's not such a chiddush right there to say the case of Pasha Asar. We would have known that the woman admitted herself that she was captured, but that she was not raped, that she's believed. We know that. But we want to go on to say, what happens if, if after she had the Pasha Asar, then Adim come and say, and they testify that she was that she was captured. So they're pulling away her Pasha Asar after she already got remarried. So we said, she doesn't have to leave. So that was a special novelty in that case, as we learned yesterday. It was something very specific to that last case of Nishbesi Yutahorani. So we want to introduce the case of the Pasha Asar and the scenario of Nishbesi Yutahorani to go on to conclude with the Seifa of the case of Mishinisis Bawa Edim Lalote, because that was specific to that case. So that's why we introduced the Pasha Asar in the case of Nishbesi Yutahorani. 
says the Gemara, that depends on what we learned yesterday. That's according to Rabbi Rabin, who taught that this clause is only going on the Seifa. Then we could understand, since the whole din of Mishabo Edom, that she doesn't, at his low date, say, even though she lost her Pasha that's only in regard to the Seifa. So now we understand why we need the case of Nishbet Sutorani, because we were setting up that, that last point. According to Ravoshi, who said that it's referring to the first case of the Mishnah, where the woman said, I'm married, am I divorced? Michael Mamar, what are you going to say? According to him, according to him, the, the Nakuda where the Pasha Asar is pulled away after she gets married, she doesn't have to leave. That's true even in the Reisha. So it's true even in the Reisha. So there's no reason to speak about the case of Nishbet Sutaharani. Just say right there on the as a caveat, qualifying the case of the Reisha. But if the Pasha Asar was pulled away after she already got remarried, then she doesn't have to leave. So you can't tell me that we spoke about the case of Nishbet Sutaharani just to set up the point that if Adam come afterwards, then she doesn't have to be Tetzay. We could have set that point on case number three. So therefore, the Gemara has to give us a different reason why we speak about the case of the woman who admits she was taken in captive, as captive, but that she wasn't raped. We wanted to speak out the case where there were two women who were captured, and uh, the question is to say that they're believed to testify on each other's behalf, like we learned about yesterday. That was the novelty. Says the Gemara, why is it such a chiddush to say that one witness believes to say that someone's pure when they were captive? That's actually not such a chiddush. And uh, Tosis points out that it's really coming up in a Mishnah on Chavzayin. You can see this chiddush as well. So since it's a chiddush, you can see on the Mishnah Dav Chavzayin. So you don't say it's not really such a chiddush to say that when the, you have the two women who were captured, that each one is neman on their other. So why do we have to say it at all? So the Gemara says it's a bigger chiddush because Malatim and Nechosh In our case, it's not Stam that a single witness is saying that a girl was not raped. It's something more than that. Each one is testifying for the other. So you should say maybe there's some collusion going on. And really, they don't know whether, whether or not the other one was raped. But they each know that they need testimony because they each know that they were captured. So they come and they say, if you lie for me, I'll lie for you. So you may have said that it's worse because they're each testifying for each other. That shows that they're in some sense of collusion here is going on. And you have to say that each one is only lying on behalf of the friend. Hamashmol and the Tana tells us that that's not a concern, that each one is neman on their friend, and we don't say, Rechoshesh for Gomli. So now finally we get to what the need for our Mishnah is. Our Mishnah said, and so to the case of two men, where each one is saying that, 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 that I am a coin, they're not believed for themselves, but they each say, you're a coin, then they are believed. So that obviously we're coming to say that... Um, Obviously, we're coming to say that we believe them, but why is that such a chedish? As the Gemara Mishnah, the Gemara Mishnah, the Plutu Rabbi the Rabbanon, it wants to set up the Machlokes Rabbi the Rabbanon. What was the dispute? Whether or not, in fact, we do say that an Eid Echad is Neman. It wasn't so simple that we believe in Eid Echad uh, in regard to Kun Rabbi was saying that no, we cannot be Malakun Api Eid Echad. So that's really what's the chedish. So, so first we spoke about the two women taking captive, and we say we're not Choshul Gomen. Then we say we're not Choshul Gomen also in the case of two people testifying for each other that they're Kohanim. And we introduce that as a chiddush because Rabbi Yudah in fact disagrees. Rabbi Yudah in fact says that um, you're not mala, you're not mala liyosanapiyedachad, and that's why the Mishnah here was taught. So now the Gemara elaborates on this dispute about edachad being neman to be mala lekuhuna. So it's Tana Rabbanon says in the Brayas, "Ani koin v'chavir koin." Two men are saying about each other, "I'm a koin and my friend is a koin." Neman lachilov truma. Each one is to believe to let the other one eat truma. So we're saying that even though. They testify for one another, they are believed. But this belief is not is, is only for trauma, but it's not enough to let them marry a woman whose yichas might not be whose whose is good. So meaning to say, if we know that a woman has very good yichas, we will not 
we will not let her marry this guy because we can't be convinced that he really is good just because we're saying that he is a coin. We can't be convinced of that. Rashi's mashma, the concern is he might be a mamzer or a nasin who's offered to marry a girl with good yichas. And what we're saying is that even though we're having the namanas that each one is saying that the other one is a coin and we believe them in regard to Truma, but we don't believe it in, in regard to yichas. When maybe he really is a, a mamzer or a nasin. Other Rishonim learn maybe we're concerned he's a halal and we'll be nervous to establish the future children as koan, if that's the issue, not so much the issue of marrying somebody else, but the ramification that if you marry somebody, we're going to say, oh, the kid automatically will be a koan. We're not so sure, not so fast. In order to, in order to have and two people show up to testify about one another that they're koan, and to assume that for marriage purposes, you're going to have three men. Two testify about this one, and two testify about this one. Meaning to say that, let's say, um, if I have two people, you're going to need... Two people who need to who are want to establish themselves as going, and we're going to need a group of three. The first and the second will testify about the third. The first and the third will testify about the second. The second and third will testify about the first. So then there will be no suspicion. The suspicions for collusion when you have two witnesses. That's the point. No, even in regard to Truma, one is not believed for the other. We always require at least three. So what comes out? Basically, it sounds like what we're saying is that the Tanakamba believes one one single witness to testify about somebody else is a coin, and even if he's reciprocating and each one is being believed that they're coin and based upon the testimony of the other. And Rabbi Yudha is saying that no, if they're both testifying about the other, that they are calling him, then in fact, they are not believed. And we have to understand why Rabbi Yudha is saying is they're not believed. So the Gemara assumes that the Pshad is, since they're each testifying for the other, sounds like that's a dispute. Rabbi Yudha is nervous that they're each reciprocating the favor for the other because you testified I'm a Kohen, I'll testify that you're a Kohen. So because of that Chashash, he doesn't let them eat the Truma. That's the Pshad and Rabbi Yudha. And the Pshad and the Rabbanon is that they're not Choshish for that. That's what it would seem like. Says the Gemara, we see just the opposite. Now we learned in a Mishnah, a Mishnah and Demai, we have two donkey drivers who are entering a town, right? The donkey drivers, that what they'll do is they'll, they'll transport grain where in a place where it's cheap and they'll bring it into a city and have a higher price for it and make money. That's the idea. Now, there, it could be that there are people who are not exactly, you know, outstanding Tamadil Chachamim here, they're Ameha Arts. One of them says, My grain is new, so it's not as high quality. The older grain is superior. It's already dry. So he says, My stuff is not as good. My friend's stuff is better quality. It's old. Or he says, And he goes on and he says, Mine is our, at mine, My grain has not already been mysered. My stuff has not been tithed. If you buy from me, you're going to have to take off mice yourself. But my friend's stuff has already been tithed. So he's still not believed. Why is he not believed? Why the Amar Arts not believed? It's very interesting over here. The Amar Arts would say, "My stuff is fixed." Okay, you can't believe me. He's an Amar Arts. He suspect we suspect that maybe he really didn't take off Meiser. But here he's saying, "Mine was not taken off, but my friend's was." So that should be a reason specifically to believe him because he's saying, "My own was not tithed, but my friend's was." So isn't there like a, a clear support that he's telling the truth? So the Tanakama is still saying he's not Neman. Presumably, the idea is because we're we're scared. For, for returning favors. You know, maybe in this town, the guy will say that, and then they'll go to the next town, and they'll say just the opposite, right? The guy the guy was owed back the favor, and his friend will testify for him. Therefore, even right now, the way it's being said, the Tanakhama says he is not believed to say that his friend's grain has been miser. Rabbi Domer Neman, he is believed. So the Rabbanon are chayish regomen. Rabbi Yudah is not chayish regomen. That's exact opposite. Over here, we're saying when one each one is being made on their friend that he's a Kohen. So Rabbi Yudah is saying he's not believed. The Rabbanon is saying he has believed. The analysis was presumably... Rabbi Yudah is chayish legomim, and the Rabbanon are not. There we see just the opposite. You're right, something is, is made a mistake, um, and everything should be should be flipped away. 
Now, flipped around. Now, which way do we flip around? Which way? So we normally, what we say is that if you're not sure if a Mishnah got it right or a Brisa got it right, you assume the Mishnah is right and the Brisa should be flipped. So therefore, we say that we flip in the Brisa. In regard to the Truma, where it was a Brisa, we assume that it's the Rabbi Yudah who does believe them. Rabbi Yudah is not Chayish Lagoma, and the Rabbanan don't believe because they are Chayish Lagoma. Says the Gemara, really, you don't have to switch it around. But the Mayikilu, the Pshat is, there, the Rabbanan, um, the Rabbanan were Mekel because it was Demai. We're explaining here in Rabbi Yehuda. The reason why Rabbi Yehuda wasn't Chayish for Gomlin in the case of Demai, it was a special Kula in Demai. If you don't know if the produce was taken off, because most of the Amiyars do take off Maya. So this whole thing that maybe they didn't, and therefore you can't trust them, the whole thing is a Rabbanan to be nervous for the Miyat of the Amiyars who don't take off Maya. So since it's only a miyot, but you really have a majority who do, so it's only a new concern, a, a specific suspicion. So therefore, we're going to ignore that possibility of collusion, and we'll say that if, if once somebody testified that his own grain is not gemaiser, but his friend is, that we will believe him, and we're not going to be nervous for gomen. Mashenkin by us, by TVF Truma for the Kohen, is a real testimony. We don't have any roves or anything going on, so then we say that we are chayish for gomen. That explains why it's not a seer in Rabbi Yehuda. So Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda Kasha, the Rabbanon of Rabbi Kasha. What there was only a question on Rabbi Yehuda, meaning you've resolved the question of Rabbi Yehuda, but how are you going to resolve the Rabbanon? The Rabbanon were chayish by the Kohen. Not they were they were not concerned for Gomlin, but in the case of the donkey drivers, they were. How do we understand that contradiction? So the Gemara Rabbah therefore answers Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda Lo Kasha Shneim. Rabbi Yehuda, we answered it up that for Demai we were more lenient, as we said. Rabbanon, Rabbanon Lo Kasha. What about the contradiction in the Rabbanon? The case is that the tool of his umnis are in his hand. The idea is that he's holding his things. He's holding all his selling tools, all the measuring cups and the scales that he uses to measure when he's selling. So we clearly see his intent is to sell, and that's why we have to be chayshish l'gomlet. Since clearly he's coming with a mindset to sell his stuff, he has all his clay umnis with him, that's why we're nervous that in the next town he's going to just get his favor returned, and that's why he's testifying here. Achanami, we could apply here as well. The tools of a street are in his hand. They, they, he demonstrates that he's going to make a future sale. That's why if there must be some collusion that's going on. So Stam the Rabbanan out of the blue are not Chayish Lagomlin. And that's why when two people come, each one is testifying on their friend that he's a Kohen, we're not concerned. But specifically in a case where, where, where it's clear that the mentality is that we're coming to sell, so then we are, in fact, Chayish Lagomlin. So that explains the Stira and the, why it's not, the Rabbanan are not contradiction. Where was this thing Rav Chama Rav originally made? We said on a Mishnah in Taharas. I have a potter. So I have a cover. Somebody who knows the halachas. And it's not his question. We're not suspicious that his stuff is dummy. But the case is, he would put down his pots. He went to drink water down by the river. But he left his, his, his pots unattended. So the question is, was there some Tommy person who made contact with them? So we say the inner ones are Tommy. The outer ones, which were left closer out, are Tommy. So we had a question where we learned about Tanya, a different bride said, if you look at both are Tomei. So Chama Rokhva said, we should claim not to be other. It depends if the, the, if the tools of his trade are in his hand. The question is whether he indicated that they were for sale. If he indicated that they were for sale, they're all Tomei. What's going to happen is that everybody's going to come and touch it. When there's merchandise for sale, every prospective buyer has the feels the right to come and touch it. So maybe the, a prospective buyer was an Amaharetz, and while this guy was awake getting his drink, some Amaharetz touched it, and some Amaharetz touched it when he was inspecting the quality or whatnot. So we have to be concerned that it's no good. So therefore we say 
that 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 it's tummy. But if he didn't have the clay umnos biado, so then we don't have to be concerned that it was necessarily all of them were touched, and that's why the inner ones remain tahar. We're only concerned that the outer ones are tummy, and we'll have to see if he didn't indicate that they were for sale, then why the outer ones tummy. So what are we saying here? Bottom line is, is that when the guy went down to the river to drink, if he indicated that it was for sale, we're concerned that somebody touched all of them, even the inner ones are tummy. We didn't indicate that it was for sale, only the outer ones are tummy. Continues the Gemara Batana and other brides, says, Eilu Taros, both pots are tar. It seems like we can be make even in the outter pots. So what is it? That's talking about a case where he didn't, he didn't show that it was for sale. If he didn't show it was for sale, then we don't suspect anybody touched anything, even the outer ones. So then what's coming out? So that, 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 that both are Tame is a case where he indicated they were for sale. Both are Tar is a case where he indicated that none of them were for sale. Well, you didn't indicate it was for sale. So what's the case where the outer ones are Tame and the inner ones are Tar? What's the case? If he was carrying his tools indicating it was for sale, they should all be Tame. If he wasn't carrying his tools, they should all be Tar. What's the case where the inner ones are Tar and the outer ones are Tame? It's a case where he left the pots right by the edge of the Rishasarabim because of the buffers that usually are put by the Rishasarabim. What they would do is they would put a big boulder or a big post there along the side of the Rishasarabim to prevent the travelers from getting too close to the walls or the wagons or things like that. So the potter left the pot next to one of these buffers. So therefore we're concerned that someone who was traveling, maybe one of the clothes of the Ami Aretz, went brushed by one of the Kalim. So therefore the outer ones is possible he brushed by and therefore therefore they become tummy. So in other words, we're saying we're not concerned somebody touched them because he was trying to examine them to buy them because he, if he didn't indicate that they were for sale, we don't assume somebody would go touch them. But what we're concerned is that since it was there on the edge of the Rishus Harabim where the buffers are and the people pass by, so maybe the clothes of the Ami Aretz brushed by and that's how they became tummy. So in conclusion, we see that there's this idea of the clay umnus biyado indicating whether there's a sale. There are certain indications that somebody can give whether or not this is open for business. And in this case of Tumah, if he had the clay umnus biyado where he indicated he was going to sell, all of them are tummy. If he didn't have the clay umnus biyado, he didn't make the indication, all of them are tar. But in the case we left the Rishasarabim, the inner ones are tar, but the outer ones are tummy. And we're applying that over here. In the case of the Goblin, where his claim not to be other, we clearly his mindset is to sell. There, the Rabbanim were chayish like Goblin, but in our mission with Truma, they were not chayish. Now the Gemara gives a completely different understanding of what the Maklokas could be between Rafid and the Rabbanon. Again, we're talking about two people show up, each one says that their friend is a Kohen. So the question is, if each one is saying that their friend is a Kohen, are, are we believed? So until now, we've been assuming the reason the Rabbanon believed in the Rabbanon and Rabbi did not is that Rabbi does Chayesh Lagoban and the Rabbanon do not. And then we got nervous because we had a contradiction from the case with the donkey driver. So now the Gemara says, They're arguing about a different point. If we see someone, a Kohen, who eats Truma, do we have the right to automatically assume that he has good yichas and he can marry anybody or or not? And Bezo holds that it's sufficient evidence. If you see somebody eating trima, so then based upon that, you could assume that he has good yichas. So what's going to happen is that if you're going to feed somebody trima based upon the eight echad, now what's going to happen? He's going to eat trima. Then people will automatically assume that he has good yichas because they have their right to assume. Again, Rebuda holds that we have the right to assume someone who eats trima has good yichas. So Rebuda says that if it's true that for yichas we need two witnesses, so then we're going to need two witnesses for eating trima as well. So it's not shot Rebuda's chayish legomlin. It's not because they're each testifying for one another. Stam Rebuda holds that that we require two witnesses to eat for eating trima because since we require two witnesses to establish yichas, as we said. And there's an assumption that when people eat truma that they have good yichas. So therefore, 
we have to be smart and only allow Kohanim to eat Truma based upon two witnesses. Because if not, then we're going to end up that through one witness, we establish someone who's good for Yichas. He'll go and, and eat Truma, and then people will establish him as having good Yichas as well. But the Rabbanon hold that when a person is eating Truma, it's not proven that he has good Yichas. So people will not make that assumption. So we could use a single witness to allow someone to eat Truma. And we don't have to be concerned that based upon that, he's going to end up being established as having good Yichas. So it's, everybody agrees that for Yichas, Batsam, it's required to have two witnesses. The question is, can I, can I use a single witness to say that he's good for truma? Rabbi Yudah, who's ma'alam yichsun the truma, he's concerned you can't let him eat truma because people will come to say now that he has good yichas. The Rabbanim are not ma'alam truma liyichsun. They will allow one single witness to be believed for truma. So in this approach, the analysis of the dispute is not whether we're chayish l'gomlin, but whether whether or not we believe one witness to establish that somebody is good to eat truma. Continues the Gemari Bailu, Can you, if you see that in a document, somebody, his name is written as that he is a Kohen, if somebody is a Kohen, we write in a document that he is a Kohen. So if that's written that he is a Kohen, can you assume now that he has good Yichas or not? Can you rely from the fact that it's an Ishtar? Says the Gemara, what's the case? If the Kohen is, a, is, is one of the witnesses, it says in the document, I so-and-so, I'm a Kohen, and I'm signing on the document. So the case is someone is a signature. He's a witness on a loan document saying he's a Kohen. What, who's testifying he's a Kohen? He just signed himself as a Kohen. There's no verification. Obviously, the fact that he wrote in that he's a Kohen, that itself is not proof. It says, I so and so the coin borrowed him mana. So the case is that he is the debtor and he, he identifies himself as a coin. And then what happens is, there are other witnesses who sign on the document. So the question is, my, what is the halacha? The fact that the witness is signed on the document, and in the document it says that he's a coin. So what does that establish? Do we say they're only testifying about the loan of the mana? They're not testifying on every detail. The guy is a coin. He's not a coin. That's not part of their testimony. So therefore, he's not believed. That it, it, just because he's, he's, it says that the debtor is a coin in the shar, that's not necessarily conclusive evidence that from the witnesses who signed that he is a coin. Maybe the witness is signed in every single aspect of the star. So if it identifies the person and the debtor in the star as being a Kohen, then we assume that there's like a din edus on that, and therefore he could be used for good yichas. So the Gemara ends in debate. It's a dispute. Continues the Gemara, another question. Could we elevate a Kohen who does Nesiyas Kapayim? If a Kohen is doing Tuchening, He's, he's saying the Berchas Kohen in publicly in Shul. Could we automatically assume that he is good Yichas? And those witnesses testified, we saw him doing Berchas Kohen. Does that establish him as having good Yichas, um, as having good Yichas or not? And obviously the ramification will, of this will now be if you require two witnesses to let somebody do Duchening. If we're Mala, if we're going to Mala Nesiyas Kapayim Liyosin, then we're going to have to need two witnesses from the outset to allow somebody to do Nesiyas Kapayim. But if we're not Mala Nesiyas Kapayim Liyosin, then, then we won't require. So that's going to be a ramification of this dispute. But first, the Gemara just addresses the dispute head on here. Do we assume that if someone is Duchening and Shul, that he is good Yichas? If, uh, this is similar to what we had about whether we just said if we see a coin eating truma, can we assume that is good yichas? But the Gemara says that we can clear within each opinion. You could ask the question according to the one who says that we are mala. Maybe we're only mala from eating truma because eating truma is very severe. If you're not a coin, it's misa So if you see somebody actually eating truma, then you can pretty much assume with certainty 
that he definitely is a Kohen. It's such a severe sin, he wouldn't do that unless he was a Kohen. That's why you could assume he has good yichas. The Israel say, how bad is it to Dukhan when you're not a Kohen? You're just violating an Israel say. Hashem says to the Kohen, you should bless. Where the implication is that a non Kohen should not say the Berchas Kohenim to the people. So a non Kohen doing Berchas Kohenim is only an Israel say. It's not so severe. So since it's not so severe, maybe even a non Kohen would do it. And therefore, you can't be Mala at Liyosin. Maybe we don't make a difference. Or we can clear within the opinion of Ein Mala. Truma is eaten privately. So a person will do it and, and, and sneak it. Even though it's forbidden, he'll sneak it even though he's not a coin. It's a private sin, so to speak. Doing Berchas Kohenim, mean, it's such a brazen thing to do if you're not a coin because it's in public. You love coin if a person were not really a coin. A person wouldn't be so brazen to lie about such a thing and make a public display that he is a coin if he's not really a coin. Maybe there's no difference and we don't elevate him to coin to Kuna based upon him. So how do we paskin? It's a dispute. So basically what was going on is that by Truma, to be Malami Truma Liosin, it was a machlokes hatanon. It's a machlokes rabbis and the rabbanon, we concluded. What about Nesiyas Kapayim? It's a Nesiyas Kapayim to, 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 to Yuchson is a machlokes here in the Amaram. And again, it's an independent question between this and Truma. It's a different type of dispute for the variables like the Gemara said. Now the Gemara tells us, We cleared as a question. If you know a Kohen did Berchas Kohenim, then you assume he has good Yichas. We just said it was a dispute. But how do we rule? Amalei, so Rabbi answered, I know a price of which can help us. It says in the price, The power of Chazaka is great. So Chazaka means that there's a concept of a status quo. That if there's a certain status, which we've been assuming, even though and now we realize that we're uncertain about it, so we don't establish, we don't overturn the status quo unless we know differently. And what we're saying now is that Chazaka has a lot of power. And I mean, we know there's a principle of Chazaka, but there's something special here that we're going to bring out about the power of Chazaka. How great is the power of Chazaka? Shinamar, it says in the Pasuk, and just to understand the context here, these are people who returned from Babel to Eretz Yisrael in the time of the, re- of the rebuilding of the second base on Mikdash. So it says in the passage, of the children of the Kohen and the children of Chavia, B'nei Hakotz, the children of Hakotz, B'nei Barzilai, the children of Barzilai, Asher Lokach, Mibnos Barzilai, Gilad, Yisha Vayikra Hashemim. What happened was that each of these people had taken a wife and the daughters of Barzilai and became known by, by the name. So these were the, these were men from other families who had married the daughters of Barzilai. All these people, Elu Bikshuk Sabam, they looked for records. They looked for the documents that they had good yichas. In other words, when they returned, we said, oh, who are you? Who bring, show us your documentation that you have good yichas. So they searched for the documents. So they weren't able to find them. So they were disqualified from serving as Kohanim. There were a lot of Kohanim during the exile who had married non-Jewish girls or whatever it is, and the children would be halalim. And that they wouldn't be allowed to serve in the second base of Mikdash. So before they allowed anyone to serve, they needed a star of Yichas. And these families weren't able to establish documentation. So what happened was by Yomar Hatirshasa, Hatirshasa said, Hatirshasa is a name for Nechemya, who wrote the Sefer Ezra. He said to them, He said, You cannot eat from Kachim, you can't eat from Karbanos until there's a Kohen who will ask the Urim Vitumim. Now that's obviously not going to happen. There was no Urim Vitumim in the second base of Mikdash, but it's a way in saying until Mashiach will come and we'll regain the Urim Vitumim and we'll find out if you're really Kohenim. So basically the story is there are people who were assumed to be Kohenim 
But Lamaisa, we made a rule, a blanket rule that we're nervous that a lot of Kohen and we're not. Unless you have, you, you show documentation, we don't assume you to be a Kohen. In the beginning of the second base of these people were not able to prove that in fact they that they were Kohen. So they were told that they couldn't eat carbonos. So what happened was he told them not to eat carbonos, but what about for eating truma? So Amrlahem, the Gemara interprets that it must be what's going on, that Nehemiah told them, I read them a you remain with your chazaka. In other words, what you were able to do while you were in the exile, you may continue to do. But new things that you were doing in the exile, you may not. What were you eating? What food did you eat when you were Kohanim and Galas? Because you were eating truma. You were eating the holy things that apply even outside of Israel. Truma, so you can continue to eat truma. But to eat karbanos, that you can't. So basically what we're saying is it's all about Chazaka. During the Galos, the people of these families were assumed to be Kohen and they were given Truma. So now, even though we're calling their, their status a Kohenim into question, but status quo, you can continue to eat Truma, but to eat, but to eat Kachim, you cannot. So now, the Gemara assumes the Gemara assumes that they were also allowed to do Berchaz Kohenim because, again, that they were doing Berchaz Kohenim in the Galos. So we assume that they continue doing Berchaz Kohenim in Eretz Yisrael. If it's true that if you know someone is doing Berchaz Kohenim, you automatically assume they have good yichos and they can marry anybody. So then how could they? How, how could we rely on the Chazaka to let them do Berchaz Kohenim? When we see people, we'll see them doing Dochening. Then they're going to be elevated for good yichos, which we, which we don't. So what are we accomplishing by not allowing them to... to, to to eat kachim, we're saying, oh, you can't. Obviously, it's going to end up that they're going to eat kachim. People will see them dochening. If people see them dochening because of chazaka, they're going to assume they have good yichas. So they assume they have good yichas, they're going to give them the kachim. So obviously, it must be we don't elevate somebody who does berchaz kohenim to have good yichas. So that's why we're not concerned that they'll end up eating kachim because why would they? As long as people aren't going to assume they have good yichas, they wouldn't do that. And people won't assume they have good yichas just because they see them doing berchaz kohenim. So the Gemara answer is no, it's not a proof. Really, normally, if you see, if you see someone doing Berchaz Kohanim, you could, in fact, assume that he has good Yichas. Here, everybody knew that there was a question. In other words, they, because the other Kohanim, we see, we see them eating Kachim. These Kohanim, we see they're not. So it became you known to everybody that there was some question about whether or not they were Kohanim. So if, you, if, there's, if everybody knows that there's a question of Kohanim, even if they would do Berchaz Kohanim, there's no danger that people are going to assume they have the good Yichas. By regular people, where there's not known that there's a status of a flaw or a suffix or something like that. So then if they say Berchaz Kohanim, then it could be taken as a proof that they have good Yichas. This case is different because it was known that it wasn't that clear from the outset if they, if they had good if you don't say this, that there's a difference because people knew that there was a flaw, remember we had an opinion before who says that if you see someone eating truma, you could assume he has yichos. So what's going to happen here? Nechemia allowed these people to eat truma but not kachim. It's all going to fall apart because what's going to happen? If people see them eating truma, they're going to assume they have good yichos and then they're going to end up feeding them kachim. So if he didn't want that to happen, he can't let them eat truma either. We have to say that their status was going to be widely known that it was a suffix. So therefore, since since it was going to become widely known the, that, that, that it was a suffix, we can give them the truma. We don't have to be nervous that giving them truma will be my liyasa. So now the Gemara has an obvious question. Why is the power of Chazaka great? In other words, what's nothing so great going on? We didn't say Sam, there's a law of Chazaka. We said the power of Chazaka is really great. But it's not really so great at all because... All that happens is that because they eat Shema in Babel, you allow them to eat Shema as well. Why is that like a such a special power of Chazaka going on here? Now, the truth is, this question could stam, could stam be asked. It's really a new question that we're asking here. What was the greatness of the power of Chazaka in this case? You're just relying that since they eat Shema then, they can continue to eat Shema. 
So the Gemara answers, when they were in Bavel, the Truma was only Drabana, and the Truma that's available in Bavel was only in Hadrabana level. Now they're going to be in Eretz Yisrael, the Truma of Eretz Yisrael would be Daraisa. So because they ate Truma in Bavel, you can continue to eat Truma in Israel is a big Chiddush because it's an upgrade in the level of the Truma. Even Eretz Yisrael, we only let them eat Drabana and Truma, like stuff that's not from the grain or wine or oil, vegetables or things like that. We only elevate someone who eats truma, and we assume he has good yichas if you see him eating biblical truma, like grain, wines, or oil. But if he's eating rabbinic truma, we don't elevate him. So that's why there was no danger that they were going to be that people are going to say they had good yichas because we weren't going to allow them to eat truma deraisa. We we're only going to allow them to eat truma derabanan. And the whole dinner that you're malam truma liyosin is only when you when you when you see someone eating truma that's a deraisa level. Says the Gemara. So according to this ibayzema. That the reason we weren't nervous that they were going to be assumed to have good yichas is because we didn't allow them to eat shema daraisa. Why is chazaka so great? We weren't allowing them to do anything more than they did in Babel. So in what way is it great? So the Gemara, so the Gemara says, Now that we're back in Eretz you can make exera that if they eat shema daraisa, they might come to eat shema daraisa, which would be a problem because people would think they have the good yichas. So when they were in Babel, there was no concern. There is no shema daraisa available. So you let them eat shema daraisa. No big deal. But now that they're back in Israel, if you're going to let them eat Shemad Rabbanah, they might come to eat Shemad Raisa. So the Gemara had to say in that, Gedola Chazaka, the Chazaka's power is really great. Says the Gemara, is that true that they weren't allowed to eat he instructed them they shouldn't eat Kodesh Kadashim, which is Karbanos. Kodesh Kadashim with the they can't eat the Holy of the Holies. From Karbanos, it sounds like they could eat um, regular Daraisa Trima because he only said don't eat Kachim. It sounds like they could eat Trima. Says the Gemara, you can't eat anything which is called Kodesh. And Truma is also called Kodesh. The civil Kodesh. And so, so that means they really couldn't eat Truma. The rice of Lobimi, the Kachim, or Kachim, like Karbanos, or Baskon, It means the parts of the Chazab Ashok, the parts which were taken off from a carbon and given to the Kohanim, she cannot eat. So we see both Truma and, and, and Karbanos are called Kachim. Um, and are called Kodesh, and that's what he was saying to them. We call the from either form of Kodesh, from either Trima Daraisa or from Karbanos, you can't eat. So, in this interpretation of the Gemara, really, you're Malami Trima And since you're Malami Trima there was no way that we could allow these Kohanim with their with their questionable Kuhuna status, we can't allow them to eat Trima, even though they were eating Trima and Baba. We just are allowing them to eat Trima Madrabanan because you're not Malami Trima unless you see somebody eating Trima Daraisa. And we interpret the Pasuk in Nehemiah to reflect that we were only allowing them to eat Trima Madrabanan, not Trima Midaraisa.